everyone, and welcome back to We're Watching Star Trek, the original series. As always, I am Brandon, here with Paul. Yo, what's up, people? Uh, for you guys, it might have been nothing, but it's been a long, long time coming. We've been here, ready, ready to figure things out. Uh, it's a new year, a new day, and uh, we're going to get it. Let's go. And the correct microphone as well. Oh, yeah, correct time. microphone. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, okay. And uh, and Dan. Hi, everybody. Wow. Okay. Hi. No. Dr. Hi, Doctor Nix. Oh, geez, I'm <laughs> let down. Oh, this is. I'm done. <laughs> yep. Um. So before we get started, it has been a few minutes. Uh, we took like all of December off. Uh, if and that's this. That's the funny thing, like about addressing these things, is that uh, this is for the people that follow along with us as they release. And like, if you're like a, a person that travels through time slowly, and you happen to hear this in the future, um then none of this matters. Like, if you listen to this a year from now, none of this shit matters. But yes, we did take, like, all of December off because of work-related things. We have more work-related things coming up, and I don't know how that's going to play into what we do. But it doesn't matter because we've decided that we're not really doing a set release schedule from now on anyway because it just gets to be too stressful. So uh, basically what I'm getting at is follow us on Twitter at WWST underscore podcast so you can keep up to date with uh, how things are going. Is there a new episode? Is there not a new episode? Are we going to need a little bit of time? Um but yeah, that's that's where I was going with that. Follow us on Twitter. Uh, but we are watching season two, episode three, The Changeling. And I have it misspelled. It says The Change Line in my notes. I don't understand that. I'm going to go ahead and fix it. And you probably just heard me typing. And <laughs> the original air date for that was September 29th, 1967. And as per usual, the Enterprise is moving through space. It would be weird if we started it was moving through water. That would throw me off. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm going to go with... I- you know, it was moving through time also, which technically is correct. Yes. There is a... And forward very slowly. I only remember seeing Star Trek in uh, the, or the ship in uh, water like one time, and I was in this movie I watched recently, I thought. I've never seen the, oh. the ship underwater. I mean, I I don't know if I've seen it yet, but I've only seen it like one time, top of my head, so I don't know if the ship can go underwater or not. You know, it actually reminds me of a Futurama episode where the yes. ship is going into the water and he says, how many atmospheres can it handle? And it's like yeah, zero. Farms, Farms was like, well, it's a spaceship, so anywhere between zero and one. One. So, yep. It must, maybe it's probably a reference to a probably reference to Star Trek, I bet. Yeah. Uh, actually, Futurama does have quite a few now that I have started watching this. Uh, I haven't seen all of Futurama in a while, but like a lot of those jokes I think about are like, oh, okay, that's that's why that makes sense or like that's why that's funny but yeah enterprise flying through space uh kirk is there as usual and he's talking to uhura and he wants to know if they've received a response from the malurians who sent out some sort of distress signal i guess that's that's, a lot of these opens uh shows open with that too like they're just asking hey did we hear from those guys yet like almost every other um, episode answering distress calls things like that yeah i assume like like for not really space police, but I don't know, like the space nine one one. Like, the, well, the it's fu- just funny that like they're just floating around out here in open space, and everybody's in trouble all the time. Like everybody's just asking for help. Hey, the universe in the, in the, is a dangerous listen, place. The universe is a big place. Okay, there's always something going on. There's <laughs> always something going on somewhere. Yeah. It's like it's like in the United States. There's always something going on always. So I don't really, I never really noticed that, but I think it's kind of common. I assume it's common. It- it would be a pretty boring episode if they started up and they're just all sitting around like, yep, uh, Dude, how about like, that coffee? Just a hangout <laughs> episode? That would be cool if they're just hanging out on the episode for the entire Yeah, that's what I've been saying. Like, I want one of those. Just hanging on the ship yeah. all day, having fun, like, just a nice, relaxing day. And the joke is, there's nothing going on. 
That's the joke. Yeah. Like Kurt's losing his mind because there's nothing to do because there's nothing going on. So he's trying to like think of things to make things enjoyable. I like that episode. That yeah, might be cool. He becomes the problem. Yeah, that for or real. Kirk and Spock are just playing one hell of a game of chess. Yeah, just all day. <laughs> all day. I, I wonder though, like, first of all, if the other ships encounter as many issues as these guys do. Like, are they all just out fighting godlike beings all the time? But also, I like to think of it as like Kirk has the, the, like the guy above him he's like how come every time there's trouble in the galaxy it's you kirk like you're always the one yeah <laughs> I'm, I'm curious myself no, now. i don't know but uh you, you know never that- see, we never get to see that part of the aspect of the show like kirk uh having to talk to the higher command explain like uh why did you lose eight people this time around like well some god like being showed up and yeah he's like oh yada, that's what yada, you said yada. last week so we need that's to, always what it is with you. So you the, new, the new episode uh, series is uh, Star Trek Fleet Command, where it's just you're at the, the headquarters the whole time, and you're just getting calls in and things like that. Yeah, it's just bureaucratic bullshit. Yes, it's the bureaucratic stuff, and it's like the screenshot. It's like, again, like, da, 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 what's going on? You know, like, it's all the- like, like, sir, the uh, the Enterprise has put in a requisition for more coffee mugs, and he's like, <laughs> it's not in the damn budget. <laughs> like, that's, that's the big <laughs> yes. thing in the, in the episode. Yes. <laughs> Again, <laughs> request denied. They lost ten people this ten people this week. How could they? <laughs> they have a tally of people. They had people on the Star Enterprise, like on the list. And just, How did they so lose much six people and fifteen <laughs> coffee mugs? Like you see all the other ships that people died, and on the Enterprise is like thirty times as many people, and people are still volunteering to go to Enterprise exclusive. Like that's the place everybody wants to go. Yeah, we well, know uh, what's interesting about you know that though. A little bit in the episode, you know, the ship gets hit. Imagine, you know, all the coffee mugs just falling over on the ground, breaking. Yeah, nothing is secure in that ship. <laughs> we need, <laughs> just, we need, we need magnetic, we need magnetic, magnetic, everything, magnetic cups, magnetic everything that way it sticks that way. When crashes happen, there you moves. go. Yeah, I think they had metal tables in the cafeteria. They could just put magnets on that ship. Yeah, there's metal everywhere in there. Yeah, I'll just solve the big issue for uh, <laughs> space yeah. travel. Boy, yeah. imagine the money Starfleet's going to save in the like just this shit that they break and have to replace with, with magnetics. Yeah, exactly. There you go. But uh, yeah, God, we're still like ten seconds into this episode. But <laughs> but anyway, they haven't heard <laughs> anything from the Marines. <laughs> they haven't heard anything from these guys or the Federation science team, who they are never going to mention again. But apparently that science team had some sort of special transmitter that for some reason they decided to mention and then never mention it again. So uh, Spock, you know, does Spock stuff. He informs Kirk that their long range sensor sweep uh, reveals and I spell that incorrectly. Boy, I must have been doing this when I was tired. Uh, But anyway, their long range sensor sweep reveals no sign of life. So Kirk points out that their last reading showed that there were more than four billion people in the uh, system. And Spock says that there are there are not any anymore. So they just they have a quick conversation. They rule out the possibility of a major catastrophe and in an interplanetary war. They they uh, all turned off their phones. They wanted uh they wanted some downtime. Yeah, they just want a little peace. Exactly. Peace uh, I don't know why they sent the distress signal, but uh, hey, you know April Fool's joke. It was a kid that was mad. Yeah, Sulu reports that hey, he's like, hey, our shields just turned on, and something is coming at us at multi warp speed. So Kirk orders evasive maneuvers, and Spock goes to read out his equipment and says that it's a burst of energy. And so they go to red alert and they get their, you know, they go through getting weapons ready. This is like some of my favorite stuff from Star Trek is when everything starts happening and like Kirk's giving out orders and like there's sounds and people moving and everybody's doing shit like that. Those are my favorite scenes from from this series. Well, Kirk was right on and telling the whole crew like, hey, uh, prepare yourself. We're about to get hit. 
yeah, goes like straight into his training as a captain and, you know, gets everybody ready. Um, so the they switch to their screen and they see a big green energy coming towards them. And then my just, first thought was Broly just threw a big energy beam up in space. Hold on. Uh, so yeah, it hits the Enterprise and it throws them around, and that's what the, yeah, that's exactly my notes. Is my note says system destroyed, green energy is Broly. Like he's just he's working his way through the South Galaxy. Uh, yeah, I I never the thought, South Galaxy. It's funny you guys thought that. I never even thought that at all. Now yep, you guys say it now. Can't, I can't see it now. Now you guys said it, but I wasn't even thinking about it. We know who he's looking for. So yeah, the uh, the energy ball hits them and it throws them around the enterprise and their lights go out and then we go to commercial we get the show opening and we come back to no captain's log which is weird because they usually like to recap the first 45 seconds that we just saw like hey, they just open big they don't have to recap that shit yeah um so yeah they, they the crews just they're working on getting their systems back online and spock reads that their energy shield absorbed or yeah that their shield absorbed the energy uh and that it was equivalent to 90 of their photon torpedoes the attack has reduced their shielding power 20% and that they can resist three more attacks, but that the fourth would shatter their shields completely. Oh, see, I misheard that. I saw he said that the shields were down to 20%. I'm like, how can it take four more hits then? So, yeah, yeah that makes more sense. Yeah, just reduce, I guess, their overall power by 20%. So, uh, so Kirk gives orders to take evasive maneuvers, which worked out really well the first time. I don't even see them take evasive maneuvers. He's like, evade this thing, and then they just go straight into it. Yeah, I was kind of wondering that. Why didn't wouldn't you be able to take like a nose dive and just go under it, or just do literally anything? Well, I think for some reason, like when they're doing invasive maneuvers of a rock, the ship doesn't seem to lean like it does when it takes hits. So for us, it feels like the ship is going straight. Maybe they are doing maneuvers, but you just can't tell because it seems to be like it keeps its uh, it keeps leveled when it's moving around. Yeah, they just they didn't really do a good job of showing that the ship is like doing anything. Like literally show the screen and have like them moving to the side or something of this like yeah. do anything. Yeah, it <laughs> just does take lie. evasive maneuvers and then it just does nothing. Maybe in the further you season listen might, might to the left. Uh, smarter with that, but I understand <laughs> what you're saying. Yeah. So uh yeah, so Kirk also wants Ahura to contact Starfleet Command and, and update them on the situation. And they, they see another green energy blast coming at him, and Sulu says that he can't take evasive maneuvers because they're losing power. So Scotty's like, well, that's my bad. I had to do, divert power from the warp engines to the shields if we want to be protected. And uh, Kirk goes to Spock and asks him how fast the bolts are coming, and Spock says that the bolts are coming in at warp 15. So Kirk's like, okay, yeah, that's probably the right thing to do is bolster our shields, and we'll just, we're just going to try to weather these. So... Another one approaches, and Spock calls out that he's got something on their sensors. So Kirk has Sulu prepare the photon torpedoes. And uh, Scotty announces, he's like, okay, we lost our warp maneuvering speed. And Spock's just giving readings on their target's position. And Kirk's like, all right, Sulu, let's fire on this thing. And they do, and they score a direct hit. But apparently the target has absorbed the torpedo with no effect. So, Which kind really makes cool, sense, because if it's shooting off beams that can travel at 15 warp speed... It should be able to handle anything that the Enterprise can throw at it. Right. But you got to try something, though. You just can't sit there and take it. I'm not talking much, but that's because I'm so into the episode here that I don't have a lot of notes. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> so I'm, like, I'm watching as I'm sitting there watching it. Thing I'm thinking about, but I have no, like, everything is so good right now. I have no take a complaints or greatness to say. I'm just enjoying it. Yep. So, 
That's why I'm so glad. Yeah, they do. They always do really good with their openings. Like they really get you engaged in everything. Like their openings are always so good, and then they just kind of drop the ball towards like the middle or the end. But that's a different thing. Um, so yeah, but it, it, Kirk questions what could have absorbed their torpedoes like that, and then he orders Uhuru to try to contact their target as they just take another blast. And Spock warns them that their shields are down and that they just can't survive another hit. And this was where I had the note that says that, yeah, like the show does suspenseful scenes like this and suspenseful opening so well. And mm-hmm. it's a shame that like they just kind of drop it in like the middle or the end. But what I want to know, like the thing that ruins the suspense for these and even in a modern show, if you're if you're watching a show like even now episode, like as it comes out every week or whatever, you know that the main characters are not going to die. So it's not yeah. so much of a thing like are they going to die? It's going to be, okay, how are they going to get out of this one? Why is there not a show that just fucking kills off all of its people mid season and starts with new people? It's called game of Thrones. You kind of got shows like that, that, like, like attack on Titan or like game of Thrones. You just, you don't know who's going to be killed off, but yeah, game of Thrones is what you're saying. Game of Thrones is probably the one show I ever remembered that I thought a main character was lasting and they were just dead. I was like, uh, my soul hurt every time. So, well, that's the thing, though. Like, I've never seen Game of Thrones, but doesn't it not have, like, a central character? It has a lot of stories and a lot of characters that you kind yeah. of expect something to happen to some oh, of those. So, oh, so, so like, Star Trek like is pretty can. much, like, just one single main crew all the time. So, yeah. you know nothing's ever going to happen to them. Yeah. I, I think it's more about enjoying the journey and the story. I get what you're saying. There's no real big stakes, like, final stakes. But at the same time, it's still, like, great for the the story and things like that. Yeah, I'm going to make a show where just people that you think are are the main people just fucking die. You never knew. And then you, you move on dies. to the next guy. <laughs> yeah, and you think wa- that they're going to be Denzel okay? Like, oh, this show must one. really be about this guy. Yeah, I'm going to get Denzel to come and in, episode, make him promote it. Then Denzel dies the first five minutes of the movie. You're like, what? what yeah, what, I'm going to hit him happened? with that fucking, what What was that movie, 1918? Have you guys seen that? I, Is that the one with that continual shot of the soldiers trying to deliver a letter? Yeah. And it starts out like the guy that you think is the main guy turns out to not be the main guy. But anyway, uh, it's old enough. People have either seen it or they're not going to at this point. Um, so, yeah, they, they take another blast. They open all hailing frequency and Kirk identifies himself and uh, asks the enemy vessel to communicate to them. And uh, Spock is just reading off the physical attributes of their target. And it turns out it's pretty small and it's pretty damn heavy. So Uhura gets a signal. Uh, but she says that she can't clear up the audio enough to understand what it's saying. And they try to, to decode the message and Spock notes that it's some kind of binary code. So the message slows down and uh, they manage to decode a little bit of it. And they realize that it's an old interplanetary code and that it just says repeat like over and over like repeat. So they figure out that it wants Kirk to rebroadcast his message. So he does. And he requests again that the vessel identify itself and the vessel sends him another message. Uh, basically just trying to find a common language that they can communicate with. So uh, Spock's console just suddenly burns out on him, and uh, Uhura gets a message from the vessel, and she manages to play it, where the vessel says that its name is Nomad, and its mission is non-hostile, which is really weird because it just started shooting at him a minute ago. (laughs) And uh, it asks them if they can leave their ship, and, and Kirk's like, well, you know, there's a bit of a side difference, size difference, so we can't really come on board your ship. Like we are bigger than your ship. I do want um, to clarify that they um, are. Go ahead. A, a Kurt shot at them, and he and after he shot at them, he said, "Oh, one of the people mission, my bad too." Like Kurt did the same thing. Yeah. 
Like her started shooting at the bunch. She's like, oh, wait a minute. We don't have no guns now. No more bullets now. Oh, my bad. We're here, we're here for peace, man. Chill out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're friendly. <laughs> like, we're friendly. Yeah. I, I, I was going to clarify, Kurt, Kurt was out there swinging too. And all of a sudden, he wanted to talk off. So I'm like, whoa, wait a minute, dude. Like, <laughs> you, you were shooting at me too. Like, now you want to talk now? Yeah. Like, I just, that's just, I want to clarify that right now. He, he did the same thing. Yeah. So, yeah, they, they can't go to the Nomad, but uh, they said that they are prepared to bring the Nomad onto the Enterprise, and Nomad finds that satisfactory. So uh, Uhura begins her repairs as Kirk, Spock, and Scotty head to the transporter room, and they call McCoy to to meet them there, and they're going to beam on the Nomad. So they uh, they beam, they get there, they beam the Nomad on board, and it's some kind of weird, like, floating robot thing. Stop here. And we just, a personal uh, foul delay game issue here. There's no security there. There's no guns there. No. They're not wearing no protection. Nothing. They just put this thing on the ship out of space with no kind of protection. What's going on with security? Yeah, what is going well, on here? We already know that they're useless. So. Yeah, but, but, but this time, I, I knew they were going to be there this time. My house, like, security's going to be there. They're going to do me like this. And they did it again to me. I just don't understand why security it's, is never around. And, but it's it, Kirk's it, fault. He didn't well, order well, them to go there. And also, Kirk felt bones was going to be enough. Part, my part two about this is really Kurt. You don't bring security with you, like you the captain. Like this time, actually, it was your fault they weren't there. Like nobody, I just I blame it all on them. But like they, they, they were like, I don't know, this brought on the ship that is like scanning for diseases. Nothing. I just okay, bad idea. Yeah, guys. he's far too trusting. This thing just just fired at him like four times. Yeah, and then they're like, hey, we're friendly, and it's like, oh yeah, me too. And he's like, you want to come over? And the thing's just like, yeah. And then he yeah, just yeah. is immediately trusting of it. Yeah, well, I, maybe yeah, that's it. Yeah. Maybe that's how they say hi in the South Galaxy by uh, firing shots at each other. Yeah, it's like you meet a stranger, y'all get in a fight, you beat them up, y'all beating up. You're like, oh, hold on, bro, let's just talk about it. No, what yeah, you, if you said, survive, what you said. You can be friends. Yeah, yeah, let's be friends now. Like, I mean, that's happened once in my life, though. I can't really say about it, but still, I'm just saying, you know, <laughs> <laughs> it's super, it's Wait. very, uh, it's super, it's super unlikely though. Yeah. <laughs> I can't think of myself because it happened to me once in life. I, I fought a guy and we were friends later on. Damn it. You know what? Conversation <laughs> over. The point is, <laughs> this shit, it's just, it was just very weird for them to have anyone with no security. That's all I'm saying. No security. Yeah. Yes, it, yes, it is. Maybe they just didn't want to crowd up the room for the shot, for the, for the camera. You know what I mean? Just a production thing. Well, bring but yes, two guys in, in. In character, it makes no sense. Yeah. Um. So yeah, actually though, the uh, the thing about not scanning it is after the commercial break, they do say that they have attempted to scan the Nomad, but they cannot because it has a protective screen. So it does not allow itself to be scanned. Um, it asks them what their point of origin is, and Kirk replies that they're from the United Federation of Planets, but Nomad is not pleased with the answer and asks them again, and it just says, yeah, I'm going to scan your star charts. So Kirk poses to Spock that they show it a close-up view of their system being, you know, Sol, where Earth is, uh, with a, no point of reference. What a terrible picture that they pick. Like, you live in the future, and that's the best diagram you can come up for the solar system yeah yeah we'll, yeah we'll get to that part but, uh, but yeah they they want to show it a close-up view of, of soul with no point of reference so that it doesn't get any more information than it already has so it can't figure out you know exactly where that is in the universe or in the galaxy i guess um kirk offers uh he's like hey do you want to come out of your your little ship there and nobad says that uh kirk's facts are uncoordinated and that the it contains no parasitical beings and that it is nomad so like that robot is not a ship it is the being so uh well so that's really cool by the way to the conclusion that nomad is a machine basically that's really cool like it was really really cool way of using something i didn't expect 
Like normally it would be an actual creature. This time it's like a machine floating around. The effect was kind of corny, but at the same time, it was really cool. I liked it a lot. You know what? I really enjoyed the prop, and I was surprised that they managed to get it, like, floating around the way that yes. they did. Because there's no CG. That's a physical good. prop. Yeah. Like, I'm not I'm not sure how they did it. I'm sure they put it with strings, maybe, or something. I don't know, but it, it looks really cool. Yeah. They, I, that, I was very surprised at how well done that was. I don't yeah. think that's something that was uh, touched up in the remaster. I don't think they did, like, CGI over it. I'm not sure. It looks like it's floating. Uh, I don't know what they did. I'm not sure what they did to it, but it looked, see, normally it looked like it was rolling. Somehow it looks like it's floating. I don't know how they did it. It was kind of clever. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so they conclude that Nomad is a machine, and Spock gives his opinion that Nomad is a highly sophisticated machine, and Nomad wants to know what an opinion is. So Spock tries to give an answer, but Nomad just says that it's an inefficient response. And Spock just gives him a look like, this bitch, like, this yeah. motherfucker goes to my <laughs> ship, tells me my responses are inefficient. Yeah, my logic, no, shit, what? Spock and Nomad became best friends at this point. You would think so, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Kirk, in, Kirk is of infinite knowledge, and obviously he knows everything about everything. And he's like, well, what about that, that probe called the Nomad that the Earth launched in the early 2000s and it was reported destroyed? Like, how the fuck do you just have that information on hand? You know what? He's going to let it go because he's Kurt and he's superhuman and super intelligent. So, you know, he knows everything. He yeah. Knows all. He, he knows it, absolutely everything. You know, that could have been a uh, part of uh, Starfleet training is learning your uh, space history. Every, every probe they ever launched. <laughs> yeah. They're like, yeah. oh, by the way, you know, while we're going over this super important and stuff, there was a probe called Nomad in the 2000s ago, that we launched and presumably destroyed. Yeah. Yeah. You'll never need that information, but, you know, we're just going to tell you right now. It's part of your training. So, uh, yeah, Nomad, again, just says that it wants to scan their star charts, and uh, Kirk offers to bring them the, the charts to the transporter room, and Nomad's like, no, I can move around the ship, and it just like starts floating and follows Kirk out of the transporter room. So they go to the auxiliary control room, where uh, Kirk, Spock, and Bones show Nomad the soul system, and uh, Nomad is just asking questions about the system, and yes, Dan, this is where they brought up the very poorly drawn uh, map of soul. <laughs> Yeah. And honestly, just giving, like, if they were to just give them that without other stars to reference, you still want to know how to get there. Right. And that's the whole point is that they don't want him to know how to get there. Like, right, right, they're just right. satisfying, you know, his question of where they're from. But Nomad was able to figure out just by looking at, like, oh, hey, I know what solar system that is. Well, he's Nomad. He's perfect, as we find out later. <laughs> uh, yes. This is absolutely my favorite part of, uh, of this because he's looking at these star charts and he turns to Kirk and Nomad's like, uh, you are the creator, the Kirk. <laughs> he is the Kirk. <laughs> That's one of my favorite things about this episode. I don't know why. He's just the Kirk. Like he's the only the only Kirk that there ever was. And uh the uh, Nomad goes on to say that the sterilization procedure against the ship was unnecessary. And uh it says that the Kirk programmed his function, and Bones is like, Well, what the hell is your function? And Nomad points out that uh, McCoy functions irrationally, and Kirk agrees to that, but uh, asks Nomad to tell <laughs> McCoy smirks. what his function is. Yeah. At this point, like, Nomad, like, he apparently believes that everything else is also a robot because he's like, this unit is, you know, functions irrationally. Like, he calls all of them units. Like, they're all just, like, fucking robots, and it's hilarious. Yeah, I like, I like so, Bones', uh, his Bones dialogue with it, too. I like how, yeah. how Bones talks to it like it's... Like everybody else treats it like a certain way, but when Bones talks to it, it's like it's more like it's annoyance a lot. 
Yeah. Like he's annoyed. Oh, yeah, he hates it. He's, he's, why am I talking to this machine for? Like, I don't like machines. Like, you can tell he's really annoyed by the whole conversation yeah. and the way it's going down. That's why I love Bones, though. Like, he just gets illogically pissed at everything. Yeah, he's straightforward. He's very straightforward about everything, too. Yeah. He's like, another fucking Spock on this ship. <laughs> that's that's yeah. why he hates it. Yep. Yep. So, uh, so Nomad goes on to say that its function is to probe for biological infestations and destroy that which is not perfect. And the Kirk notes that there was never a probe sent out to do that. And Spock goes to get a report from his history computer that for some reason is in the auxiliary control room. And uh, Kirk just asks about the Malurian system, wants to know, you know, if, if Nomad was responsible for that. And Nomad admits that it did destroy the entire population of that system. So Bones gets really pissed and he goes to question Nomad, but Kirk stops him and uh, Nomad asks, uh, he asks why Nomad calls him the creator and uh, Nomad's like, well, is that incorrect? And Kirk starts to answer that, yes, it is incorrect, but Spock interrupts him like he jumps up from his chair and he says, oh, no, the creator was simply testing your uh, your your memory banks. Like and, that is uh, the Kirk. Yeah, that is the Kirk, the creator. So, uh, yeah, the Kirk and the others, they leave Nomad in the room with uh, Singh, who is a, a tech in that area. And they go out into the corridor where Spock explains that he believes that uh, this is the original Nomad probe, but he thinks it was badly damaged and managed to repair itself at some point. So uh, back in the room, Singh is looking at Nomad and uh, Nomad just shines like this bright light at him. Like he's trying to talk to it and it doesn't respond and then it just shines a really bright light at him. And uh, Singh gets really startled, and he asks if Nomad needs anything, but it doesn't answer. So Singh gets a call from Uhura, and she's just checking in, and uh, she's like, yeah, you know, how's everything going, blah, blah, blah. Like, I'm working on getting this. This stuff's getting repaired. And then he's like, hold on. Let me put you on hold for a second. And then he doesn't really put her on hold. He just, like, kind of leaves her hanging there, and he just goes over and looks at his control panels for some reason. Yeah. Like, I don't want to go look at this shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't understand why he needed to put her on hold for that. He's like, I got to go look at these lights real quick. You just hang out right here. And uh, while she's on hold, and it's not even on hold. It's like he literally put the, re- the receiver down, didn't, like, put her on hold. Uh, she just starts to sing. So Nomad extends a little antenna because he's super interested in his singing. And then he just, Nomad just leaves the room while uh, the tech named Sing is uh, working at his, his little panels back there. Nomad just Which I honestly out. thought that he was going to get off. I'm like, oh, he's all left alone with Nomad. He's going to die. Yeah, that's where I thought that was going to. But, uh, but no. In this part too, the scene where Nomad floats out the room looks so good. Yes. Like, this, yeah, this his r- movement's really good. It really held up. Like, I know we, we make fun of the props in this show a lot because they're really goofy here and there and then the ones that are bad. But this one is really, really good. I'm really impressed and I wish I knew how they did it. I think from what I saw is that you either see uh, the top of Nomad or you see the bottom. I don't think you ever see them both at the same time. So they had to have had it like on something with wheels and then like maybe suspended for something for the higher or lower shots. Well, no, there's a part where you literally see the whole thing floating across the room. Oh, okay. Yeah. When, I, when I he, must when, have missed that. When he, puts it, when he puts his antenna out and gets the sound, after that you see the whole thing and it floats literally from the middle, middle all the way across out the door. So you actually see it floating okay. and it still looks good. Did wow. they have a uh, green screens back then? Like, could have been like a little 
like no nope. green, screen, screen, no. screen cover over yeah, it. Green screens were not a thing back then. Oh, oh shit, that makes it even that more impressive. Yeah, I yeah. mean, it looks for that time. It looks really, really. I mean, honestly, it looks like really real. Like, it actually looks good. And that's the one thing about the props yeah. back then, where everything was like more practical, so the, the a lot of stuff like that lasts longer, or the it holds up better rather than CGI. Yeah, and and Nomad is a solid design too. Like it's it just looks like a probe. But like it's just I don't know, there's something about it that I really like. Like it's got all the little lights on it and the different uh I don't even know what I'm trying to say here. I just I just enjoy the, de- the design of yeah, Nomad. It's very, very like cool it just design. it looks it, yeah. it fits. Yeah. It fits. Um yeah, so Singh's working at his panels, Nomad slips out. Uh elsewhere Spock is giving Kirk and Bones a history of Nomad. And he explains that the creator of Nomad is named Jackson Roy Kirk and that he believes that Nomad thinks that Kirk is Roy Kirk and that's possibly why it stopped uh, the attack. So they talk about the probe and how it was originally built to seek out new life forms and somehow its programming was changed to seek out perfect life forms based on its own logic. So Kirk points out that sooner or later Nomad is going to decide that it must destroy them and he calls security to have him meet them uh, in the auxiliary control room. To go, uh, you know, grab Nomad up. But Singh calls him, and he reports that Nomad is no longer in the auxiliary control room. So Kirk cancels the security order and orders a full search of all decks. Uh, so at this point, Nomad's just kind of wandering, and he winds up on the bridge. And uh, Scotty calls Kirk to let him know, like, hey, this fucking weird thing's on the bridge here. And uh, Nomad just kind of moves past Sulu and he approaches Uhura and she's still singing, which you think like everybody on the bridge is cool with that. Just like her singing all the time. Like, yeah, she sings well, but <laughs> like, everybody wants to hear that shit. <laughs> like, why is she singing again, man? This same old song. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, hey, can you stop or learn a new song? Like, I'm just trying to work over here, honestly. I want to you know, say. That, that hits a little too close to home for us. So. Yes, that's yeah. what I was about to say. As people who listen to the same music all the time at work, um, I understand. Like, maybe she needs to get some new songs. Yeah. So uh, Nomad asks Uhura what form of communication she's using, and she says that she's singing. And Nomad goes, well, for what purpose? And she says, I don't know. I just like to sing, and I I felt like music. And Nomad asks what music is, and then shines a really bright light on her head, and he's like, think about music. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, so at this point, Kirk and uh, the others enter the bridge, and, and Scotty, for some reason, decides now is the time to act. And uh, he go- tries to get Uhura away from Nomad, but Nomad fucking shoots him and just throws him across the bridge. And I was like, damn, the- dude, Sp- Scotty's getting messed up again. Yeah, he- he's up to four now, I believe, Scotty's got owned. Yeah. yeah every other time. And-, and I was like, if Nomad steals Scotty's girl, like, I'm, I'm just going to be really <laughs> mad about this. <laughs> it's be a repeat Scotty's of like, the last I- episode. Scotty's like, I got clean off drugs, and now I'm getting killed every week. Yeah. Um. Yeah, he gets he gets like thrown over this railing and McCoy goes over to check on Scotty. And this is where we get I didn't know exactly what episode it came from, but this is where we get he's dead, Jim. Uh, so yeah, Scotty's dead. So fuck, fuck that. Oh, oh, you've heard that uh, saying before. Yeah, it's like it's all over the place. I just didn't know exactly where it came. Oh, from. see, I, I never heard it before. So, I, OK, I, one of those things. Yeah, I mean, like I knew it came from Star Trek. I just didn't know which episode. But uh, yeah, we go to commercial break and Scott's dead, and uh, I, just, I shut it off. I deleted Paramount, like all of Paramount. <laughs> of words, nobody's ever watching this again. I got rid of the entire. Scotty's company. gone. Uh, we we we're done now. We're hurt. Yep, I, the whole internet's gone. 
Um, yeah, we come back from commercial break, and Kirk asks Nomad why it killed Spotty, uh, Spotty Scotty, and it replies that uh, it's because Scotty touched his screens, which is understandable because I don't like fingerprints on my shit either. So, uh, yeah. I mean, that's true. Exactly. I don't like fingerprints on my stuff. I don't like being touched anyway. You didn't ask permission to touch yeah. me. Don't go touching things or people or robots that don't belong to you. Without permission. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's you right. Know, Consent is rule. important. Yeah. yeah. Consent. So uh, Kirk goes to check on Ahura, and she's just like in a daze. And uh, he has her taken to sick bay and asks Nomad what he did to her. Nomad says that she was defective. And he says that her thinking is chaotic and absorbing it unsettled him. Spock is just like, well, that unit is a woman. And Nomad notes that she's a mass of conflicting impulses. And I was like, fuck. And at, like, and at this moment, bro, Nomad <laughs> was a genius, bro. At this moment, I was like, yo, I'm writing this quote. I swear I wrote the whole quote down, bro. I wrote the whole quote down. I thought, oh, my God, this this AI is a genius. Like, how did it know that in, like, 60 years they predicted women exactly? Is it a mass of conflicting impulses? I was like, oh my gosh. It, it hit my soul so hard that I wrote it down. I thought, I'm keeping that forever. <laughs> I'm, keep, I'm keeping that yeah. in the tuck. That was, that was one of the ones. Nomad was not wrong. No, no. he was not wrong. This, that, Nomad was perfect at this moment. <laughs> I was just, I, I laughed so hard when, I, when he said that. I thought, oh, this is funny. Yeah, it's fantastic. Um, so Kirk orders uh, the crew to take Scotty away and his corpse, I guess. And Nomad asks us if they're going to repair the unit Scott. And Kirk replies that Scott is dead, but Nomad doesn't understand this. So Kirk explains that Scott's biological functions have ceased. And at this point, honestly, like Nomad's ignorance is kind of endearing. Like he just doesn't understand and he wants to know what's going on. Like he's kind of like a Disney character robot if it was also a murderous like Wally. robot. Like Wally. Yeah. Like, yeah. 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 <laughs> Yeah, Nomad doesn't I know. know. I know you're saying, like, like, sometimes computers are, like, so logic, they're unaware. They're unaware of what they're trying to say. Everything he's saying is right yeah. and wrong, but somehow it's, like, wrong in a way. I know exactly what you're trying to say. Yeah, he just Kirk, don't understand. Kirk, Kirk should be like, you, you turn them off. Yeah. They, at the end of this, they could have taught Nomad to love, and he would have been just fine. <laughs> Honestly, I felt... Let, let's get to the end. Let's go. Let's go. I don't want to do my thing right now. We'll to get in and do my scenario. Okay. Um, so Nomad asks if Kirk wants him to repair Scott, and Bone says that there's nothing that Nomad can do, so or nothing that he can do, so they just let Nomad repair the unit Scott. And uh, Nomad says that he needs tapes on Scott's structure, so McCoy and Spock uh, retrieve their tapes on general anatomy and central nervous system and the physiological structure of the brain and all of their neurological studies and tracing as of Scotty's hypercephalogram, I think is what they call it. Hyperencephalogram. Yeah. And, uh, they arrange to flash feed them to nomad and Spock just tells nomad, Hey, don't draw the information from the computer faster than the computer can handle it because that's what blew out his computer earlier. And I did have a look, like I did a quick Google and the hyperencephalogram uh, is their medical analysis of brainwave activity. And it seems like it's something that was invented for the show. And it seems like it's some kind of way for them to um, store your brain circuitry pattern, which is basically ah, like a fingerprint okay. of your brain. So okay. that they can make a backup of your brain activity and fix it if something happens, I guess. Okay. So by that logic, can they uh, transfer your brainwave into like an AI? I don't know. Yeah, we haven't seen <laughs> it yet, we but there. there's a, we know there's the data in the future, future, future. Stuff, so I don't know who knows. Yeah, but isn't he just an android? 
like a no. person. I think I thought he was just a machine, wasn't he? I think I think he's I, a little I, bit both. I believe he's an android, but I don't know if he's human built or like. Uh, I think he's a cyborg. Civilization built. Here. A cyborg is is like a man and m- machine, right? Cyborg. I believe so. Yeah, yeah I think it might, I, I think it might be a cyborg, not an android. I'm not sure. I thought it might have some human stuff inside of him. I don't know. That's the whole okay, different subject. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, but, little, I, but I do want to say tiny... that um, uh, this part right here, where he's giving him all the tapes and all that crap right there about human anatomy and everything like that, I thought that was really smart. Like they did all like, yeah. like it's a really smart add on to the episode. Like, okay, he doesn't know he doesn't know this, so let's go ahead and give him all this information, so information to deduce how to fix Scotty. I thought it was really cool. They should have just let him take his best guess because I bet Scotty would have come out with like a fucking laser eye or something, like just something really cool. <laughs> Oh, that's like so, um, uh, oh my gosh, like episode where in episode season one where they uh they got that the girl with the human and she was destroyed and then put it back together but put it back together wrong because they didn't know. Do you remember that? Uh, I they, do they, not. They put the woman they put the woman back together wrong because they didn't know how humans look like, and then Kurt oh uh, me, the, uh, Pike it was the Pike episode okay yeah like the pilot episode. That'd be yeah. kind of the same if way in this one, where um, the big if he just try to put them together, and don't know people, what people actually look like inside. If I mess them, I mess everything up. Yeah, yeah, he could. He probably would fuck it. He'd just make like machine Scotty, and then Scotty would be all kinds of pissed because he drugs wouldn't have any effect on him anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Nomad extends his and his little antenna, and he receives all the information, and he. Uh, says that the unit Scott is a primitive structure with insufficient safeguards built in, and boy is he correct. Um, Kirk asks Nomad to repair Scott, and Nomad asks to be shown to the sick bay to go repair Unit Scott. Uh, Bones leads the. Uh, it's a really weird scene here. Like, he, obviously McCoy's pissed off. He's just like, I'm gonna show I'm mad in the way that I walk, and he leads uh, Nomad to the elevator, and they go down to the sick bay. And uh, at that point, Kirk orders security to put two armed men on Nomad 24 hours a day. So we go down to the sick bay, and Bones and Nurse Chapel are scanning Scotty's corpse for some reason. And Chapel's like, "There's no reaction." Well, yeah, because he's fucking dead. Like, what are you, what are you trying to get? Her? Like, what are you trying to get out of this? <laughs> Nothing's happening. Yeah, because he's dead. Um, so Kirk and Nomad and the crew they all enter, and Nomad approaches Scotty, who uh, he just like does a few something like i don't even know like he doesn't have anything to touch him with but suddenly scotty's alive again and he resurrects from the dead and he asks why everybody is staring at him and he's really confused and he's worried about uhura and nomad announces that the unit scott is repaired and will function correctly i, I want to go uh, do, down a dark route really quick with this so they say when you die you void your your bowels oh jesus wouldn't scotty <laughs> wake up and like why is there a bunch of shit in my pants right maybe, maybe he's already gone maybe he just went <laughs> oh my gosh dad get out of here for bro. him he just he emptied said, out <laughs> he'll wake up and stinking he just pooped his pants like what happened <laughs> who pooped he my pants up, he's like why does it smell like shit in here <laughs> um yeah, so McCoy wants uh, to check Scotty out and orders uh, Chapel to prepare Scotty for a full physical examination, uh, which never goes anywhere. They don't. They never mention it again. And get him and, some new underwear. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> new pants. Uh, and Kirk demands that Nomad repairs the unit Uhura, but Nomad says that that is not possible. And Kirk doesn't understand why. And Nomad explains that Scotty only had structural damage and that Uhura's mind has been wiped clean. He's like. So, Nomad's like she's a woman. I can't fix that. Yeah, he's like I can't. I can't put all that back together. 
It was all them uh, conflicted impulses. He was like, whoa, um, erase yep. this immediately. <laughs> erase. Doesn't make any sense to him. Yep. Well, they were just lucky he didn't kill them all on the spot because of that. Like, whoa, what is going on here? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's like, none of this makes sense. I don't like it. Just kills them all. You her had a very uh, strange look on her face, almost like a doll. Like she was just out of it. I thought it was really a good acting by the yeah uh, by the actress. She like um, her face was like completely blank. That she pulled it off really good. Yeah, yeah, she did. Um, but Spock suggests that Ahura could be re-educated, and boy, is that a dangerous route to take. Yeah. And, uh, yes. and Bones agrees, and he's like, we'll just get started on this right away. So then McCoy just decides that now is the time to start insulting Nomad because of what he's done. Uh, but Spock and Kirk uh, interrupt him, and Kirk tells Nomad to go with the security units to uh, a waiting area. So when Nomad leaves with security, Spock explains to McCoy that He's like, hey, we interrupted your little rant because Nomad wouldn't understand your anger, and uh, he would not have a he wouldn't have a you know he w- would have an unpredictable reaction to emotion. So uh, they just didn't want to like provoke him and I don't know I guess scare him. And uh, Spock is coming to the rescue big time in this episode. Yes, he's already saved the ship like three times. Well, it's very this episode. Even though we'll get to end later, this episode is very Spock heavy, but it's Kirk doing it. Like yeah. Spock comes through, but oh, that's too far. And it, but Kurt's coming up with all these uh, ideas on what to do. And I like it a lot. I just. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, but Spock, he just says he wants to study Nomad. And, and Kirk says that he would just rather render it harmless. And he wants a full analysis of it. And Spock's like, okay, I'm going to go start analyzing Nomad. So we cut to a little bit later. And uh, Spock is in the brig with Nomad as Kirk enters. And Spock says that he's been unable to convince Nomad to lower his screens for analysis. And without Nomad's cooperation, there's really nothing he can do. So Kirk orders Nomad to allow Spock to probe it. And Nomad is like, you know, hey, Spock is different from the other units. And he is well-ordered. And, you know, I'm okay with this guy. And he lowers his screens to uh, to allow Spock to do his work. <laughs> he's just basically Which is like, funny. Spock's like me. I like this one. Yeah, I like this guy. He's very logical. Like, he's, he's smart. I like this guy over here. Yeah. Very cool. Um, elsewhere, Nurse Chapel is working to re-educate Uhura. And Uhura's already learning to read, but she's having a little bit of problem with it. But somehow she still speaks Swahili. So she's struggling with English and already completely relearned Swahili. Well, I think Swahili was her first language, though. Yeah, but her mind was completely blank. There ain't nothing going on. Everything's lost. Oh, yes. So she, oh, doing, okay, so you're saying she learned Swahili so fast and now she's trying to struggle how to do English. Okay. Well, I don't, I just, I don't think she even, I don't like. I don't think they re-educated her in Swahili. It just doesn't make any sense that she would even know uh, okay, it at all. See. Like, why would they bother to do that? You know. I thought we're gonna well, learn I Swahili thought, first and then English. Well, I thought if they would they erase the language or did he erase like the whole entire brand? I, I wasn't sure what he did. Yeah, I think he completely did, mind wiped her. Like everything's yeah. gone. Like, did he erase knowledge or the ability to speak? That's yeah. What, I think just all of the knowledge. Okay, same. Well, it's a good thing they got like uh, that brainwave uh, on file because she oh, yeah. has no memories like of her family. Yeah. And or... I was wondering why they didn't use that. They didn't mention it at all. Yeah, I think if they could, they mention that and just uh, we'll use that and they'll make her learn faster at a faster rate. Because they said by the time, like skip ahead, guys. Said by the end, end of the episode, she's at college level, so it took her like yeah. a, a day or two to learn that fast. So like if they had said, oh, with this in her head, she's able to. Pick, pick up thing a lot faster because she knew it already or something that might be a little bit better rather than her just learning everything within two days. Right. 
but I, I think that the whole brain thing is more that it can fix your brain waves and not like store memories and knowledge and stuff. I think just like if you hit your head and something goes wrong, like maybe they can correct that. I, I don't know. There's not enough information and it's, you know, a 70s sci-fi show. Well, well nerding now, I was just, well, I was trying to say it was like uh, you take the other brain waves and put it into a brain waves that makes her learn faster. Because yeah, her brain, yeah, her, yeah. her baseline pattern is is the way it should be. So she's able to pick up everything a lot faster because she knew it already. I thought something right. like that, but yeah, they didn't they didn't think that far ahead. So no, or at least they didn't bother to explain it. So, but they did say that she's good at math, so that's cool. Um, so McCoy enters and calls Chapel away to check up on Ahura's progress, and McCoy seems hopeful that they can uh, reeducate her. And we go back to the brig where. Uh, Spock explains that he isn't getting enough information about the accident that Nomad suffered, uh, and Nomad has made references to someone called, or something called the Other, and Spock can't figure out what that would be. Uh, So he suggests the Vulcan Mind Probe, saying that he has uh, formed a partial hypothesis that he would like to test. So Kirk is immediately on board, and uh, he tells Nomad that the unit Spock is going to touch him, but not as an attack. It's going to be a form of communication, and Nomad's like, all right, cool. Let's do that. So yeah, not, another very smart callback to explain to him what's going on because the last time somebody touched him, he beamed him. Yeah. So very nice to be like, hey, him, he's gonna touch you, dude. Yeah. Like, hey, he's gonna touch you. It's not attacked. Just so you know. No yeah. like I consent. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. He consent <laughs> to being touched. This is okay. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, Spock does the Vulcan Mayan probe, and he discovers that the other was something called Tanru, uh, something that we're never going to mention again. And he continues to do the mind probe, and he shows that, because uh, this is where, you know, he starts to, like, speak as whatever thing he's touching. And uh, he shows that Nomad's objective is to sterilize imperfections, which we already knew. And then Spock kind of starts to freak out and back away. Uh, but he just keeps repeating the same thing over and over about imperfections and sterilizing. And uh, you know who no- Nomad wouldn't kill? Uh, don't no. Yes, he would. He's not perfect, Dan. Oh, he's perfect. Perfect cell. <laughs> he's not perfect. <laughs> uh, so yeah, Nomad basically like hadn't released um, Spock from the mind probe, so he just keeps repeating the objective until Kirk orders Nomad to stop, and then Nomad just stops. So Spock's okay. So Kirk carries Spock out of the room and he asks uh, what it meant when he said, because Spock kept repeating, we are nomads. He's he's almost like Venom. He's like, we are Venom, just over and over. And uh, Spock explains that Nomad was damaged in a meteor collision, destroying its memory banks until it met the other, uh, some sort of alien probe. And he explains that the two merged into one and Nomad took part of the other's programming, which was to secure and sterilize soil samples from other planets. So basically two probes merged into one and merged their programming. I wrote at this moment, uh, uh, oh my God, this episode is genius. <laughs> I wrote that this moment <laughs> because like, I thought about when it was made and that's when I appreciate it even more. Like the, even the idea of like two AIs coexisting and, and coming together and forming a new program, like that's actually kind of really complex for the 19, I don't know, 1967 when this came out. So I thought that's really cool. And I, what a cool idea to be like um, one thing got hacked by another thing and then that thing got changed to do something else. Yeah. Like, I like it's that been completely different from everything that we've seen so far. Yeah, exactly. Yes, I is. agree with you. Yeah. So like, I just I, wish that they had done a bit more backstory into the Tanru thing or whatever the hell it was called because 
they just kind of threw it out there like, oh, yeah, it's just this alien probe that was sterilizing soil samples. And then, like, for some reason, it merged with this one. Like, why the hell would it do that? That's not part of its programming. Well, I thought maybe the alien one had is the one that had the one that's supposed to take the base program. I'm not sure. Maybe the alien one, as it got damaged, it repaired itself always with the nearest material. That's what kind of yeah, in that, my head. Yeah, I, that could I be kinda, as well. I'd assume that the alien product, when it, when it got damaged, it's supposed to take the nearest materials and, and keep itself going for samples or whatever, and then the wires are crossed. Yeah, I that could be. I just personally thought, like, that's kind of in my head. I thought that at the same time, I thought it's just really smart, like, smartly put together. Like, it's very smart about the, the way to use AI. So that was really cool. Yeah. Um, Dan, you know what this thing could have eventually become, right? If it's just going to, like, grab up other machines and program them as part of itself. What's that? It could have eventually been the big Getty star. <laughs> and then, uh, on this. um,. <laughs> Another thing about that too Actually is actually watching um, this episode, I just saw the, the the Dragon Ball Z references. Like, man, oh man! <laughs> the uh, when the machines connected, which whatever, I actually thought about the Borg. That the, you know they're, they're so far oh, in, the, yeah. in the future, but I thought like I wonder if like if they're like this could be the reference of the beginning of a style of Borg type of sentient creature. You yeah, know I what, know Paul? My, of one of my thoughts was when Spock went to go do the Vulcan, you know, mind connection thing with it. Like, if it would have, uh, Nomad would have started, like, connecting, like, physically onto Spock. Oh, like a, like a Porg. Oh, that would have been, been interesting. I thought that it that Nomad was going to get into Spock's brain and figure this whole thing out that Kirk was not the creator, but it did not do that. That's where I thought they were going to go with that. Oh, okay. Kind of like a reverse mind probe. Okay, same. Which makes sense because didn't they do that in the past where like when Spock's mind probing uh, somebody, they can do it back to him? I'm not sure. I don't. Did we come across that? Or I'm sorry, that might have been a Doctor Who episode. So I I could be wrong on that. I I can't remember if they shared thoughts that they when they did a mind probe. I can't remember how that works. Yeah, I don't. I don't. Yeah, I'm not sure. I didn't. Yeah, I don't know if it's a one way thing or a two way thing. Yeah, so Kirk notes that uh, Nomad is a changeling, and he says that it's an Earth legend about a fairy child that was left in place of a human baby and that it assumed the baby's identity. And first of all, I don't fucking know that legend. I've never heard that before in my life. Yeah, and they not. have to come up with better ideas for episode titles because this no, title doesn't that, that meet is, this that's at a, all. That, that is a legend, bro. Yeah, I've is heard it? Before. I've heard never it? heard that. Yeah, I've heard it before. It, it's also yeah, it's also a reference of uh, like um, when um, somebody's replaced somebody else. It's like what, if, what if it, culture did that originate from? Paul? Uh, is it Norris? I, I want to say like I a Norris know. legend, kind of like uh, the legend of like there's a if you go out to the middle woods and hear a baby crying, and you go up to it, and it's actually a monster. It's not a baby. You think it's a baby? Walk up to it, it's actually a monster, and they look, look like babies. They call changelings also. Yeah, it's like uh, it's like some old. I swear it's like an old. I thought it was a Norris legend. But I'm not, so I'm once again, Kirk's old Earth history knowledge comes into play yeah. for some reason. He's a jack of all trades. He really is. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we go back to the brig and uh, Nomad is like, all right, I've, I've, I don't want to be here anymore. And he just leaves through the uh, force field covering the door and uh, the two security fucked. guards. Yeah. He's like, well, all right, I'm just going to go out. And two, the two security guards there just decided, well, maybe we should shoot at this thing. And Which they was shoot a bad at it. idea. Yeah. They shoot at it with their phasers, and it doesn't have any effect, and Nomad disintegrates them, giving us our first two dead people this season uh, on the Enterprise. What? What? Is that the first two dead for the season? Yep. 
Yep, no one else has died. What's our kill count up to now? Total, I have no clue. Uh, for the see, the issue with the kill count is that we ran into some episodes where they would not give exact numbers on casualties. They would just say, "Oh yeah, casualties are light," and we don't know what that means. So it's hard to keep track of. Like we can't get an exact number because, like, is light, you know, ten? Is light a hundred? So, so well, we have no clue. If if, if flight is a hundred for a ship that has four hundred people on it, that's some bad math. Just depends on how valuable Kirk views his his people. <laughs> hey people, I did a quick look up on the Changeling um fairy tale or whatever, and it's Irish, so Norse Irish. I was kinda annoyed. Oh, okay. okay. It's over well, there. All so, right, yeah, so it is so a I, thing. Irish legend. Yeah, I knew it was a thing when I saw it, when I we saw the legend, I knew it. So uh, I thought it was just some bullshit that they made up. No. Still a terrible title for this episode. <laughs> Yeah, I like um, it. So yeah, then Nomad, Nomad uh, he just wanders into the engine room and Scotty tells uh, another crew member to notify Kirk before he goes and starts questioning Nomad about what it's doing there. And Nomad goes to their main drive and begins to repair the inefficiencies that it finds. So a crew member uh, reports that their warp speed is increasing and that they cannot stop it. So then they hit warp 11 and uh, Kirk walks in and orders Nomad to stop. Uh, because they just keep going faster and faster, and their ship cannot handle that that kind of speed. And Nomad says that it has increased their engine's efficiency by 57%, but Kirk is, insists that it's going to destroy the ship, and he wants Nomad to cease the repair operation, so Nomad complies. He's like, all right, I Wait. made your ship better, and now I made it shit again. I was going to say, he should, he should keep it, but try to make the ship stronger to be able to hold those speeds later on. You can't do that. Right. You can't. I, I just no man was trying to be nice. Nine. Like, hey, I'm gonna make your ship better. Yeah, you can, yeah, but you can't like that's like um oh my god, top of my head like Blade Two when Scud goes through and puts the makes the the, the engine all smart and he's gonna stall it out. Like Whistler said, top of my head. But it's like you can't make things more powerful if the if the thing itself can't take the pressure. So you gotta imagine that how how hard the G force is on the ship that's going a warp three compared to warp nine. So I'm going to assume that the actual material itself can take it. It's not a ship thing. It's the actual material. Right. But all they had to do at that point was allow it to go that fast, but not make it go that fast. So maybe like Nomad could have let them slow down and then they could take it somewhere, have that an- analyzed and start building stronger ships that can go faster. But, but that would, actually, they're like, no, that to would imply mode. that there's a material that exists the next, that can do that. Though. I believe in the next generation, they can go faster than the original series. They ain't got yeah. vibranium sitting around. I mean, you know, they got to be able to... <laughs> the, the, the material has to exist for them to well, do Well, I don't, I don't think it... It doesn't necessarily have to be a new material. It just has to be new structure. Like, you just engineer something that can withstand that. Like, we build shit all the time out of existing materials. We just build it in a way that it is stronger. Okay. Eh, I just... I, I get what you're trying to say. I, th- I just think you need the actual material to be able to build something that can withstand no matter what. I mean, you can't take a paper and eventually make something that can... Take the amount of pressure. You know what I'm saying? No, but you you can add paper and like, you know, add things to it to make it a little stronger. Like you've seen, you wouldn't think toothpicks can hold fucking forty pounds of shit, but it's a common mm. like high school thing to make a bridge out of them. Also, like it's just so, it's all in so, this, so the engineering. Taking, we'll try to take two materials and then make it strong enough for the ship can make it. Yeah, it's it's just through engineering. Like okay. you know, you just gotta, yeah. Okay. Uh, but anyway, Spock uh, enters the room and he reports that the force field door on the security cell is damaged and that the security members are presumed to be dead. And Nomad notes that the biological units are inefficient. So, so he got rid of them. 
And uh, Kirk argues that he's like, hey, I'm a biological unit and I created you. And uh, Nomad says that biological units are inherently inferior and that that is an inconsistency. So uh, Kirk then tells Nomad that the two security men outside are going to escort him back to the waiting area and that uh, he is not to harm them. And Nomad, he says that Nomad has to stay there and just basically do nothing. So he's going to stay in his little cell. And uh, Nomad's like, well, my programming is to investigate. And Kirk argues that he has given Nomad new programming. He's like, I've given you new, I've altered your programming. Pray that I do not alter it any further. So, little Darth Vader. Trying to use his superiority. Trying to use his superiority to try to get to help, uh, boast that he's much stronger than what he was, what he is. Yeah. So, uh, so Nomad says that there is much to be considered uh, before it's going to return to his launch point and that it must reevaluate. So Nomad follows the guards as Spock tells Kirk that he's like, hey, you might have you screwed up here in revealing that you're a biological unit. And he says that now, you know, you appear imperfect to Nomad. So they're worried that Nomad is going to return to its launch point, which would be Earth, and that it's going to find uh, that it is infested with imperfect biological units and that it's going to sterilize them. So then we go to a, a commercial break and we come back to a captain's log. First one of the episode where they're just explaining the situation. So we see that security is escorting Nomad, but uh, Nomad's just like, yeah, I'm not going to go with you guys. And it decides to go in another direction. And they try to stop it by shooting it, and it just disintegrates them. So now we have four dead people, which is great. Security is so dumb on this shit, man. Oh, my gosh. They you drive me crazy. Every, <laughs> they're, they're I'm sorry, guys, to repeat it over and over again. Every time you guys listen to me, I complain about it. But my gosh, security is so bad. I just, the way they function is just so annoying to me. Like, I just, I, I like, once again, I assume these are the military guys that are smarter than this, and I just, they made the dumbest decisions. Well, no, remember, remember, they are, like, the new guys, though. Red shirts are, uh, yeah, like, oh, yeah, the new, the new, new, still, man, like, it blows They should have the, a basic, you know, training. Yes. Well, you saw how Kurt and them treated the thing. You treated it with real sense. You don't pull out guns on it. I just, asking yeah. to get destroyed. Well, that's the only way they know how to solve any problem. They're just hanging out. One guy's like, man, my back itches, but I can't reach it. Reach it. And the other guy's like, hold on, I got you, and shoots him with a phaser. <laughs> that's, just, that's how they solve all their problems. It don't hurt no more. Put on a massage. <laughs> Major Logic pain is on. sound on that. Can't Your back can't itch if you don't have a back. Major pain will be like, Yo, let me see your hand real quick. That's <laughs> so here we get my favorite scene of this entire episode is Nomad uses that weird-ass corridor ladder that uh, Kirk used in, like, the first episode. He just uses that ladder and is, like, going up and down the ship. And I'm glad that that little thing wasn't a one-off and that Nomad is just like, I'm, I could take the elevator, but I'm just going to take this fucking ladder. Yeah. Like, why not? Yeah. Oh, you know what? So, I, didn't, uh, I didn't see it the first time. I'm seeing it right now because I'm watching it as uh, we would do a show like I always do, and I've seen it for the first time, so. Yeah, he just goes right up that ladder. And uh, McCoy pages Kirk to the sick bay for an emergency, but Kirk and Spock find that the sick bay doors are locked. And then the door opens, and Nomad comes out of it. So Kirk orders Nomad to stop, but it just continues on, and and he just kind of gives up. And he's like, "All right, well, he ain't gonna stop. I'm just gonna go in here." And they go in the sick bay and see that Nurse Chapel has been injured. And McCoy explains that she tried to stop Nomad from going through the personnel files and uh, medical history files. And Bone says that Nomad was going through Kirk's files. So Spock the is- Kirk. The Kirk, yes, going through the Kirk's files. And Spock suggests that Nomad has completed his reevaluation and that they are worried that Nomad has found Kirk to be imperfect. Um, 
So Scotty contacts Kirk to tell him that uh, he's like, hey, life support systems are off all over the ship and manual override has been blocked. So Kirk tells Scotty to get some anti-grabs and they don't explain what the fuck those are and meet him in engineering. So then they all just leave the, the sick bay. Yeah, we have no clue what anti-grabs are. And they don't explain that either. Uh, anti-grabs. Got, got to guess anti-gravity grenades maybe or guns or what? Yeah. I anti-gravity something something yeah I never even I never even noticed myself honestly I didn't wonder what happened to Blondie Nurse though I wasn't sure it's like it wasn't dead was she and what, no wasn't, they, well they never said so they just assumed she's fine yeah I remember it wasn't wiped either so I, I wasn't sure about that either so I wasn't yeah. sure why she normally his attacks have always been like death or wipe like yeah. <laughs> you know so it was like I was a little confused about what he did to her maybe, maybe like she a little. Fit- Maybe she just oh. fainted to act like like she's like, oh no, I've been hit. <laughs> <laughs> I figured like a little door opened up and like a little hand came out and he just backhanded her. He <laughs> like, just knocked her out. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so they arrive at uh, engineering to find two techs are either unconscious or dead. They don't say. So I'm just going to assume that they're unconscious because the other guys get disintegrated, right? So. Oh, I guess, well, Scotty didn't get it disintegrated, so they could be dead. Who knows? Uh, But Kirk orders Nomad to stop what he's doing and repair the life support systems. But Nomad does not respond. So Kirk's like, I'm going to climb this ladder for no reason. And then Nomad's like, stop. Don't Don't climb that ladder. That's going to ruin my plans. Yeah, why was he climbing the ladder? Was he going to hit him with like a double axe handle off the top? I thought he was going to do the elbow drop on him. Yeah, he's like, fuck it. You want to listen? I'm going to hit you with the elbow. So um, Kirk tells Nomad that it is... Uh, programmed to obey the orders of its creator and Nomad says that it is programmed to destroy life forms that are imperfect and that it will do so without destroying the vessel that surrounds them because it is also imperfect but it can be adjusted. So he's going to kill everybody on the ship without destroying the ship. Um, Kirk uh, goes for some reason he climbs down the ladder and he just goes checks on the, the techs that are unconscious doesn't say whether they're unconscious or dead he just quickly touches one and he's like yep that's a guy and uh <laughs> He tells Nomad that, yes, biological units are imperfect, but a biological uh, biological unit created you. And he says that Nomad's programming has been altered. And Nomad just states that Kirk is in error and that he is an imperfect biological unit. I'm going to start telling people that. I'm be like, yo, you're... People are like, yo, you're an asshole. Yeah, well, you're an imperfect biological unit. You, unit. you <laughs> stiff-necked thistlehead. Let me use that uh, one. So uh, Kirk confirms with Nomad uh, that Nomad believes that Kirk is Nomad's creator. And uh, he asks how an imperfect being could have created a perfect being such as Nomad. And Nomad has no answer, and he tries to analyze that. Uh, at this point, Spock and the others show up with the anti-grabs, which I don't know. I can't even explain. They're just like two big poles. Like, not poles. I don't even know what they are. They're just two big my, things. In my head, Honestly, like, they look I, like magnets. I wanted to yeah. say the same thing. I thought it was like, you know how you uh, put something on uh, something to make it float? You know, like a... Yeah. Like, I assume it would be like something that you put underneath to make them float and put other thing above them and it would hold them in like stasis. Hold them right. like a, a stasis thing. I, I kind of assume that. Maybe we'll see it in the future and we'll actually see it working. But I just... I kind, of, I kind of assume what it was. Well, like a, they do use it here in a second. So, like, yeah. yeah, they show up, they have the anti-grabs, and Nomad announces that it has insufficient data to resolve the problem that Kirk has posed it, but uh, that its purpose still remains. So Kirk confirms with Nomad. Nomad agrees that uh, it will continue to sterilize any being with error. 
and Nomad says that everything that is an error must be sterilized with no exceptions. So Kirk says that uh, Nomad made an error, or that he made an error in creating Nomad, saying that uh, he created error. Nomad argues, he's like, no, I'm perfect. At this point, he is perfect, Sal. He's like, I'm perfect. <laughs> um, Kirk confirms, you know, he asks Nomad, he says, well, do you believe me to be the Kirk, the creator? And Nomad is like, yeah, you're the Kirk. So, so I, I'm always going to, I want to call him the Kirk forever from now on. <laughs> he's got a new title, the Kirk. Yeah, he's the Kirk. Um, so Kirk then tells Nomad that it's wrong and that Jackson Roy Kirk is Nomad's creator and that he is dead. And he says that Nomad has mistaken him for Roy Kirk and that that is an error. And he says that Nomad did not discover its mistake, which makes two errors. And he argues that Nomad is flawed and imperfect. And by not correcting by sterilization, it has made three errors. So Nomad. Was, was this one of the first instances where uh, this trope began? The Star Trek. Were they the original ones that started the, the logic rationalized with computer? Yeah, like I don't this? know. I don't know. But like, yeah, I don't know if they did, but we've seen this before in this series. Oh yeah, on, uh, the, the, like the party planet where everybody was freaking out, having a good time. Yeah. Um, and then uh, it turns out the whole civilization was being run by the big computer, and Kirk got it with a logical fallacy. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yep, yep, yep. But I think yeah. This so is he's better, done this though. before. Yeah, but I think somehow yes. this one is better. Yeah, they executed this one a lot better. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um. So yeah, Nomad starts freaking out and talks in a higher pitched tone and he just re- keep, keeps repeating error and saying error, that he uh, has to examine. I keep saying he, but Nomad's an it. But he sounds like a oh, male. So. Error, uh, error. so yeah, he's just freaking out and uh, Kirk just starts berating him. <laughs> this thing's just like, error, error, I have to I have to analyze. And Kirk's like, well, you're flawed and you're imperfect. You need to execute your prime function. Just like fucking yell this thing. <laughs> and uh Nomad tries to analyze itself, but it, it kind of starts like breaking down. So then uh, Spock, they run over with these big anti-grav things and they attach them onto the side of, of uh, Nomad. And uh, for some reason, Spock thinks that this is a good time to commend Kirk for his logic. So they take Nomad to the transporter room while it's still freaking out. They tell Scotty to set controls for deep space and uh, Nomad just keeps repeating error and faulty. And so Kirk is yelling at him again. He's like, you're useless. You know, I told you to do the laundry and you fucked it up. Uh, you have to exercise your prime function. So he just wants it to kill itself. And they beam Nomad into space, and then they watch on a scanner as Nomad just self-destructs and explodes all over the place. So That's a big boom. It was. It was a pretty good one. Uh, so we go to a little bit later, and Spock is congratulating Kirk on his dazzling display of logic, and Kirk jokingly says, well, you didn't think I had it in me, did you, Spock? And Spock just straight face goes, no, sir. <laughs> I thought you were going to fuck that one up. Uh, so uh, McCoy enters the bridge to announce that Uhura is back at a college level already and she should be able to return to work within a week which is really shitty like hey, we we know you had your mind completely erased but you have to come back in a week you don't have the PTO to cover this so <laughs> you cannot get FMLA for this you're going to need to come back to work like there's no one that can well here it's kind of a compliment like look no one can do the job as good as you well with that being yeah. said think- no time off I yeah, think no there time, has no. to be a therapist on this um, ship. There's got to be a yeah. therapist to get them through a situation, things like that, because ain't no way the world they're making this. Yeah. Yeah, they, they've seen some shit. <laughs> yeah, for real. A lot of real. these people are probably <laughs> some pretty severe PTSD. 
Like somebody was literally turned into a lizard at one point. Like it's gotta be rough. <laughs> So, uh, so Spock, he talks about how he just regrets the destruction of Nomad. And he says that uh, Nomad was a remarkable instrument. And Kirk asks Spock, he's like, why are you feeling so badly about it? And he says, it's not easy to lose a bright and promising son. And Spock is like, a son? What the hell are you talking about? And Kirk's like, well, Nomad thought that I was its mother. And and he jokingly mentions that Nomad would have made a great doctor, uh, seeing what it did for Scotty. And he says, my son, the doctor. Kind of gets you right there, doesn't it? He puts his hand over his heart. <laughs> He's like, ah, oh, I lost his son. And then they just uh, continue their journey through space. And that's the end of that episode. They're very clever, like a uh, cheesy ending like they like, like to do. But this yeah. one's... I, I you know, they never though. mourn over the people that die, you know, like no. 20 minutes ago. <laughs> <Never do. Never. laughs> yeah. We're going to crack the We have a funeral service at the end. Doom, doom, doom. You know, coming But through. to be fair, it's always security. Have we seen a funeral yet here? On, on the show yet? Yeah. No. Uh I thought we not? had a funeral, didn't we? I don't, I don't know. think so. I assume they would shoot the, something out of the space and, like, I don't know. They they did, like, a brief thing when uh, they crashed on that planet in the Galileo 7 for the few people that had died. It was I think it was, like, super brief. They did something, like, buried a few people there or something, but that was that was it. Okay. I think it'd be cool to see a, some kind of military funeral if, if they ever do one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, Paul, you want to start us off with uh, your thoughts on this one? I can. Excuse my language, uh, my fellow Trekkies, but uh, this episode was fucking amazing. <laughs> and I mean, like, perfection at its core to me. I have no complaints. Like, I I, I my lost for words because, like, I think it was that good. And um, let's see. Don't, don't, let's see what notes I took to talk about his greatness. Oh, I did think about the anti-graph things. And I bet, do you remember earlier... In the episode, they said that um, it weighed like 500 pounds, they thought. But they, they yeah. but they carried it pretty easy. So maybe it makes it things easy, uh, Ooh. Uh, makes things lighter, easier to carry. Okay, that makes perfect sense because the thing is heavy as shit. Yeah, I thought it was really heavy, but they ran with it. So I thought maybe they must have, uh, when they put it on, it might make things easier to carry. Yeah, yeah, I bet you're right. They attach it to that thing and it's an anti-gravity device that just would let it free float i guess so they yeah. could just move it around that's yeah kind of I bet that's it um okay I thought yeah the destruction of uh the info uh spock which that was kind of clever that was smart i thought uh spock uh kurt using language luggage lo- well luggage while i can talk logic <laughs> instead of um uh using this uh, uh strength was kind of smart like i don't everything we just this stuff's really really smart like if i like one episode like you want to watch the episode of star trek that's like that shows you what star trek the best of what it can be this is it Especially, like, appreciating how smart they did the AI. Like, the way they used AI in this one was really smart. Like, the whole idea of a, the hacking to another system, the hacks to get changed into something else, you know, by some uh, alien probe. That's really cool. And the, the, the effects are really cool. The Nomad thing is really cool. Like, it was just, it was so good. It was really good. Like, I just, probably one of my favorite episodes, man. Like, top five, easily. Top yeah, five, easily. Uh, I just, I'm great, just going to. I'm going to keep mine short and sweet and say that I completely agree. This is a fantastic episode. And I think it is. If you're going to get somebody into Star Trek, this is one of the ones that you show them. I think I loved every second of it. Uh, Dan? I concur. <laughs> short <laughs> I and mean, sweet. It is, yeah, I, it's, I, I, I enjoyed it for the most, uh, not for the most part. I enjoyed it because they finally went down a different route besides, you know, godlike beings or just aliens. They went down an AI route, which 
was very entertaining. I enjoyed it. Yeah. yeah AI routes never series. die out. Even for us now, like, if we did, did the movie today and made AI route, it would still work because AI is just one of those unknown, known, unknown things out there. But the way they did it for the 19, what just came out? 1960 something, you said? 70 something? Uh, what was this? 67? 8? Um, 67, yeah. This is seven. Think about that. Like computers were a big thing then, but they weren't like as big as they are now. So just imagine the way they no. even the concept of the intelligence and the way they did it. Like what they said, said right there happened actually could really happen. So I was like, it just I don't know. So good, man. Really good, man. It's so yeah. Impressive. When you think about uh, the technology uh, back then, so we landed on the moon in '69. And I don't know if you guys remember uh, Furbies when we were kids. Yeah, I but remember. Those yeah. had like, I forget what it was. Like, uh, I might, I'm, I'm going to be wrong on this, but I want to say it was something like a hundred times the computing power than the lunar lander had. That's <laughs> so like, wild. yeah, their their technology back then was was great for them, but like by today's standards, uh, not great. And they make it seem great in this show. Like I, that, I love yeah. Nomad. Nomad was a great robot. Sad well, that he it, had to go. And you know, I, I there's that uh, well, almost like I don't want to say primal fear, but like primal fear that you know one day you know we'll have to fight AIs. Yeah, yep, and then, you know they're been. touching back that in the you know the late '60s. Yeah, yeah. Then really we, cool. we just have to rely on on John Connor though. We'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really, really uh, cool, really cool, man. And uh, another random, random thing that's really cool, honestly, was uh, I like the uh, they mentioned binary code. I think in there a couple times, and I just. Yeah, the fact the fact they even mentioned it, I thought was really ahead of the time because nowadays binary codes more used, well known and used. And I just thought it was really cool that they mentioned it back then. Honestly, so real good yeah. episode. Yeah, really. and, and everything is still binary. So yep, it's just that'll never change. Episode, man, what a good episode, dude! I, I really, I really enjoyed yeah. this. So, uh, so next episode, season two, episode four, called Mirror Mirror. Okay. Uh, Paul, do you have on a description for us on that? I will. It says, uh, "Kirk, Scotty, and McCoy." Wait. Kirk, Scotty McCoy, and Uhura enter a parallel universe. Oh my god, I'm so excited! Oh man! Oh my god! And, oh, and he, he fights be Snow fuck. White. The multiverse. <laughs> fights Snow oh, White. the Star Trek multiverse. I'm so excited. Oh man! Oh god, we're going. We're going. We're, I wonder what it's going to be. What like the past or like the future or what? It's going to be something. It, it'll be something we know already, but kind of drawing out. Oh yeah. Oh, dude, yeah. That, sounds, that sounds so cool. All right, well, uh, I think that's going to do it for us for this time. So we will catch you guys on the next episode, whenever that may be. We'll get it out there as soon as we can. And uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. Once again, Twitter, uh, at WWST underscore podcast. And, uh, yeah, we'll catch you guys on the next one. Later. Later.